Hello, this is Jessica Heron, founder and CEO of the Stella Dot Family Brands, and this is my brand new podcast, Self Made. Hey, and welcome to the Self Made Podcast. I'm super pumped for today's episode, and I think you are going to dig it. I'm going to introduce you to a remarkable woman and mother and a slipper obsessed CEO and co-founder of the ultra chic slipper company called Birdies. Her name is Bianca Gates and she is brave. Why do I think she's going to inspire you? Well, if you have ever had the fantasy of just being in your corporate job and then having this brilliant product idea, and even though you have no idea how to make that product or how to sell that product, you have the courage and the conviction and frankly, the circumstances to be able to have that take this job and shove it moment and quit that job to go start your company. Now, honestly, she didn't tell anyone to take the job and shove it because it was a great job, but she still left and she went into the great unknown of entrepreneurship and we're going to get to hear her story. Now, we were both busy mamas on the go, so we connected digitally. If the episode sounds a little bit different, that's why. So Bianca, I met you for the very first time at a dinner. So we sit down for dinner and we're going around and people are introducing themselves. And I was being self-conscious. I don't really know what to say. I don't want to say a lot. And then I see you from across the room. You stand up to introduce yourself. You take your birdies off your feet. You hold them up high and proud at the dinner table. And you give Anna Wintour right there the full pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Tell me what you said. I don't don't even know what I said. I literally (laughs) do not even know what words came out of my mouth. I just remember I was one of the last people at the table to stand up and introduce myself. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, is this a moment where I pitch her or do I just like say my name and sit back down? And I think for like 25 minutes, unfortunately, I did not hear much of what was coming out of anybody else's mouths. I was just debating in my mind. And as soon as, you know, the woman sitting next to me was finished, it was like one of those moments where I was like, well, whatever my body decides to do, whatever comes out of my mouth is what I'm supposed to say. And I do remember just taking off my slipper and going in full pitch mode. I I, I mean, you know what I said. I don't even know. But I just remember her looking at me like, oh, my God. And for me, the world stopped for however long I was talking. And it was totally surreal. But I just think that whenever you get an opportunity, you know, whoever it is, and no matter how nerve wracking it is, you only get one shot. You know, and and I had to make it count, and so that was my one shot. And and actually, interestingly enough, today uh, Anne Hathaway is being um, spotted in her birdies. So I feel like the whole thing has come full circle. Oh, but that is perfect. The devil wears Prada is connecting. Okay, that is so amazing. And I want you to know, first of all, one hundred percent. If you are not going to be this eager advocate of your own brand, why would somebody right. else get excited about it? Yeah. And in that yeah. moment, if your fear was saying, Oh, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know what other people will think of me. Do they think I'm being so pushy? I was over there in awe. I was like, I love this woman. I love her confidence. Oh it is so oh attractive. God. Like you uh, know. <laughs> so uh, well, it was, it was brilliant and it was amazing. And since then, I've gotten to know you. And since then, I have wanted to soak up a bit of your magic. And I think people listening want to have that moment that you have, obviously, of opportunity where you took a career leap, 
you had an idea, you made it happen, but then you found the confidence to do it. So I want to ask you just a few questions. I mean, were you always that confident in sales, right? Sales was your career. So tell yeah. me a little bit about how you honed that craft. You know, my sales career happened over time. I think what's always been inside of me is the love of people and finding commonality. You know, it, over the last 15 years, it's manifested itself into what we call sales. But, you know, I just, even the word sales to me feels a little bit transactional and cold. And I think the most mm -hmm. successful people are those that, you know, that, that have a, a love for people and a zest for life and, and bring that to whatever it is that they're talking about. So whether it's the products you're selling, whether it's the friendships you're creating, you know, whatever it is, I think it's just being passionate about what you're speaking about that gets people to want to buy into whatever that is. And ultimately that sales. And, and, and I've built a career around my love of people and creating conversation. Well, you know, that's really apparent because you are a very easy person to be around. Like it's very clear that you like people, you're happy to be there and you are contributing. So I, I can see that in you. Do you have any tips or tricks for people to change their own mindset if they find themselves wanting to grow their own business? How do they yeah. get themselves from this place of, I'm afraid of sales to hold on, this is about people? I think if you really believe in the product, then you really believe that this will transform somebody else's experience, whether it's the, mm -hmm. the slippers that they're wearing, whether it's the company they're working for, whether it's the products that they're going to be wearing after you give it to them. If you really believe in the product, then you really believe that you are going to make the other person's day that much better by what you have to share with them. And if you don't believe in the product, then it certainly will feel like this cold sales job because you're not adding value to that other person. And That's so I tell everybody be before it. you get into anything, don't sell something that you, you personally do not believe that it will actually benefit the person that you're trying to get to buy this. A hundred percent. Okay, so you made a bold choice that I think a lot of people have this dream of doing. Okay, to, one day I'm doing something that is proven and known in the world. It pays. It's successful. You've got a career at Facebook, which is a company to be admired by many, a great place to work. Then you decide to one day up and quit and start a slipper company. Okay, did people think you were nuts? Were you one of them? Talk me through that decision. Yeah. I mean, taking a step back, my, my parents are immigrants. They immigrated here from Latin America. They were, they're living the American dream. And so for their children, they wanted to raise us with an education to allow us um, to be independent and have careers that, you know, fostered uh, a healthy um, adult life. And, and security was the key thing in my household. You know, my parents mm -hmm. grew up in Latin America where security um, was not common. And so you know, they wanted me to have a secure 401k and a retirement plan and, you know, a W-2 and pay my taxes. To them, that was the American dream. And You made it. You, you know, were successful. Yeah, that meant I was successful. I was going to be independent. You know, I, I could forge my own path. And, and you know, by the time I got to Facebook, you know, in, in my parents' eyes, like, I had made it. I was working for a global brand that family in Latin America, you know, used and, and a product that people loved and... I had a 401k, you know, I had stock options, like this was it. After almost five years there, I made the leap to pursue my passion with slippers, which just seemed ludicrous. It was like against everything <laughs> that, you know, I had been taught. There was no 401k, there was no retirement plan, there was, there was no guarantee at all. And, you know, truthfully, I 
my identity in many ways and as an adult was wrapped around my W2. You know, how much did I make last year? That was my value. That was my worth. That was my contribution to my family and society. And I was giving up my identity for the unknown. And that felt really, really, really scary. Um, but what I tell a lot of entrepreneurs is you don't have to give it all up in one day. For me, it it was a two-year journey. I, I was I was working on Birdies, you know, really part-time on the side to really get a better sense for did I really love this? Could this be something? You know, was there passion behind this? And ultimately, were there customers that wanted to buy what I was selling? And that was a two-year journey of doing this on the side and, and Birdies full-time until um I hit my five-year anniversary at Facebook. And at five years, um, you you get a, a fully paid sabbatical, time off to recharge and to do something other than you know showing up to work every day. And I decided to take that time off and throw myself into birdies 100%. And for me, that was the, the time to really know, could this thing be bigger than it was if I dedicated more time? And ultimately, could I find a lot of excitement and passion in doing this full-time versus just a, a side project? And I threw myself into the business for two full months. This was in the fall of 2016. And, you know, the business just grew rapidly and I had a lot of fun doing it. And I could see the benefit of more of my time and how it would affect the business. And when I got back to work in January of 2017, you know, it was just this like moment where you're just like, gosh, when do you know it's time to quit your job and pursue this? Or, you know, or is it just still too soon? And I think at that point, it was really a big question mark. Um, And I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe if I hit, you know, this milestone, then I'll know. (laughs) And my husband kept saying, you don't hit that milestone unless you're doing it 100%. Like it doesn't just That's right. At some point, you you have to leap. At some point, you have to leap. And so it was back and forth. And one day at the end of January 2017, I got an email from a friend of mine, Andy Dunn. He's a CEO and co-founder of Bonobos. And he just wrote $100,000 in the subject line. And I opened the email up and, and it just said, listen, like I have been hearing about birdies in various pockets all over Manhattan. I think what you're doing is going to be huge. I want to write you a check for $100,000 and I will help you raise your seed round to do this. And it was at wow. that moment where I just That's thought to amazing. myself like, oh my God, people are willing to give me money for this and, and help me introduce me to their investors and we're talking about a seed round, but I can't, I don't feel comfortable taking people's money unless I'm personally doing this full time. So it was really sort of like all the stars aligned. Um, and at that point I had a serious conversation with my husband and he couldn't have been more supportive. And we just decided, you know, let's see what, what could be. And if not, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I spoke to Cheryl Sandberg, who's been just a, a, a tremendous friend and, and mentor of mine. And you know, shared this idea with her. And, and she said, listen, like, not that you'll ever need to, but your job will always be here. If you decide to come back, you have to go do this. And That's so incredible. I had the support of a tremendous network, my family, my friends, potential investors. So, and then I also had two years of data, right? So it was, it was all the stars aligned. And so in the spring of 2017, um, I, it was my last day at Facebook and, um, and it's been a tremendous journey ever since. Well, I think what you said in your experience is so important for other people to realize when they think about the big switch and they want to go from getting a W-2 to creating their own source of income, it's, mm-hmm. it's usually not like you flip a switch and one day no. you leave your job and then the next day there's a full-time income. I think that no. most entrepreneurs, like what you were saying, is they're not just risk lovers, 
they're calculated risk lovers. Yeah. And there's often a overlap of not just a month or two months, but years. I did the same thing. I, I vetted Stella and Dot on nights and weekends while I kept mm-hmm. my full-time job. And I think mm-hmm. that's a proof point number one. If you're passionate, you might have to be willing to double hustle. Like you have a full-time job and then your yep. hobby, like what you do in your spare time is also yep. work <laughs> because yep. if you're yep. going to bridge that leap, you get to, you got to kind of do both to get it far enough where you prove it to yourself and then you yep. don't replace your income, but you get to a point where you're saying, okay, I believe enough that I'm going to make some sacrifices. I'm going to garner support and I'm going to make a leap. That, that's really amazing. So congratulations. That's Did you exactly ever right. regret it? Were there moments where you thought this wasn't going to work or this is too small or, or things where you thought to yourself, this is too hard. This is not for me. Or was it just no. um, 2017 on amazing? I mean, I mean, obviously there's been challenges, but tremendously rewarding, amazing. I've never looked back. I remember leaving Facebook on a Friday crying and driving home. It was a 90 minute commute home and just thinking, what have I done to Monday morning already just with a barrage of emails and like strategic planning moving forward, just thinking like, how did I ever do this with a full-time job? That's crazy. I'm so grateful for this time <laughs> to do this and build. Um, and I, I, I've, I've really never looked back. It's, it's been a tremendous journey, but again, you know, two years worth of data points. I don't, I don't recommend anybody just diving in when it's, when it's not the right time for them. This really was the without right validating that the product is wanted by customers and that they're right. willing to pay for it. Right. But how exactly. did you do that? Cause I think a lot of people who have a dream, I mean, I imagine it was very awesome. You had a friend who was in the fashion business with Andy, but did you have any idea how to go get this product designed and made? So did you, were you have any expertise in that before you began? No, zero. I mean, how how did you figure that out? Like if someone's sitting at home being like, I don't know how to make slippers, like, (laughs) or I don't even know anybody who does, like, what do you do from no knowledge to getting an actual prototype to test? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I literally, I've never spent a day working retail in my life. I mean, I was, I was waiting tables. That was my joy. Like I've never worked in a retail store. I don't, I can't even draw a stick figure. I don't design. My dream was never to be a fashion designer. In fact, I don't even love shopping. Like I, this was like <laughs> so random, but I mean, I, I did what I would imagine most people would do when, when you have like zero information about anything. I just would like Google search how to make a shoe and how to make a slipper. And I would start to buy some shoes and some slippers and study the components and cut them up. And, um, and again, because there was no pressure because I hadn't quit my job. I hadn't taken any funding. So I didn't have any pressure to hurry up and figure it out. It just was like a fun hobby that I just was obsessed with doing. I could not wait home, wait to get home to see what other deliveries were sent so that I could cut up the shoes and study the components. And so I did that for a little bit of time. And then I had a friend of mine um, who had designed dresses and had a dress business for a while said to me, you know, there's this big trade show um, that happens every year in Las Vegas called Magic. You should check it out. And I'd never heard of Magic, but I love Vegas. And I just thought, well, we're, we're there 50% <laughs> of the way. And it just so happened that the trade show was happening like two weeks later. And so I just thought, you know, why don't why don't I go and, and with my co-founder and check it out? It, you know, worst case scenario, we have a great time to do us in Vegas for a few days. And best case scenario, we learn something. I remember it was going to be like a thousand dollars to get in. And I just thought that was like way too much money for something that we weren't totally committed to doing yet. Mm -hmm. And so we, we made fake business cards because if you're actually in the, in the business, then you can get in for free. But if you're looking to buy or to sell, you had to pay a thousand dollars. And so we created fake business cards, which is terrible. (laughs) I can't believe we did this. 
um, to save on the thousand dollars because we still had to pay for airfare and hotel. Um, and when we got there, you know, we spent a ton of time getting to know the industry. And I think we left with, with our heads just, you know, just ready to explode with information. I mean, it talk about like drinking from a fire hose and ultimately, you know, like the, the number one question we were asked is, do you have a tech pack, a technical pack? And I didn't even know what that was. I mean, the what number of times I had a Google like, search, like just well, generic like term. Totally. And I realized they needed a technical pack of like the dimensions of the different areas of this shoe and this rubber sole. And, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. No, I just want it to look like this. We realized that like, there was just no way that we were going to put this together to even get started. And so we had to come up with a plan B. Um, so if it was not us like designing the slippers in this traditional way, what could be another way? And so we became obsessed with asking people, do you know anybody in the shoe industry that could help us? And I don't even know what we were looking for help with, just anybody that could connect us with anything. And it just so happens that my co-founder's neighbor had a new neighbor moving in from LA, um, having spent 30 years in the footwear business. And was retiring to and moving to go live closer to his grandchildren and agreed to meet with us. And um, so he, we met with him and we we were not interviewing anybody. At this point, anybody who knew anything about footwear that was willing to help us, we were like, yes, and let's go. So he agreed to help us. He had one factory in Asia that he worked with for 30 years and you know, probably not the best factory for us, just given the products we're making, but we didn't ask any questions. We just... We used a lot of the um, a lot of the phrases that we learned at Facebook. We applied them to Birdie. So done is better than perfect. Keep shipping. And so we were like, let's just get something. Let's just let's just try anything just to kind of see where this nets out, and then we'll try to find something better after that. So this guy helped us with our first run, and we prototyped with him after cutting up a bunch of different shoes and sneakers and slippers. I said, you know, this is what I want for the soul. This is what I want for the inside. I, I, it has to be this. And it has to be that. And it can't be this. And we taped it all together on my daughter's construction paper. And he took it with him to a factory in Asia. And they produced a prototype based on construction paper. You know, there was no test ever. You know, I yeah. have to highlight some of the things that you've said that I think are such fundamental traits of creating success in your life or business, which is, you know, you describe this process of going from, I know nothing to I've created something. And I think that mm -hmm. I often think of that as the kiss a lot of frogs stage, which is, yep. you yep. don't, you don't have the knowledge and thus you start, you start and you fumble and you stumble right. and you meet people in order to go get that knowledge. And you don't, right. you don't get daunted. And I think that for a lot yep. of people, that is where they get intimidated or they give up because, you know, you have those conversations. I love what you said, where if you know anybody that knows anything, it was a yes and. Like, yes, I'm going right, to go spend the time. Right. Yes, I'm going to learn something. And I think that is what you've got to do is look at every interaction as a domino or a linchpin, as a gift yep. of this is going to lead to something. And if you feel that way and you put out that energy, it becomes that. Because you can't go to one meeting, not get results, and then come home and be like, well, that didn't work. I give up. So right. how did no. you... You mentioned a co-founder. I, I need to go back to that a little bit. How did you find yeah. somebody else that shared this dream with you? And yeah. what are their skill sets? And how are they different from yours? That's a great question. Um, so Marissa Sharkey is my co-founder. And we were really good friends for many years. Our husbands went to business school together. Um, and we met through our then boyfriends, now husbands. And she had been living in Manhattan. She is Cornell undergrad, Wharton MBA, 
um, was working at Bain um, as a management consultant there for many years. I mean, really the end of my yang. Um, you know, if I'm this yeah, sort, of like so that's brings person, sort of a strategy, strategy, financial mm-hmm. background. Yeah. And you're about product and marketing and sales. Yeah. So, so she was living in New York and she, um, her husband was working for the NBA there and, um, and ultimately her husband got his dream job, which was to be the CMO of the Sacramento Kings, which meant them moving from the Upper West Side of Manhattan with their two kids to Sacramento. And when she arrived in Sacramento, she just thought, gosh, you know, I, I, I'm giving up this like lucrative career that I've had forever. And I really want to jump back into something. Um, but I want to do something with like purpose and meaning. Um, and I don't know what that is. And at the time this was, you know, on my mind, but I just had no idea how I was going to execute it, especially when I had a three hour day commute and two little kids and a full-time job. So I texted I think her right now night. you're saying that and people's heads are exploding. They're like, Oh my gosh, you started this. Wow. You had a three hour commute and two little kids. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It, well, yeah, I had no hobbies though. So this ended up becoming my one and only well, hobby. This was your hobby, right? That's this is my hobby. Passion can this is my create passion. time in your mind, right? It, it is amazing if you love it, you pick it. That's so I exactly love what you said about Marissa. Right. You knew each other, you had a relationship, but I underscore what I always advise people to do if they're thinking about a business partner is they are selecting them not just based on are they friends, or are they not friends. She was legit qualified. Like this was someone you wanted yep. to connect yourself yep. with. Complimentary we skill set. Very totally get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I mean, across the board. Yeah. She's been a great, tremendous partner. Okay. So now we're going to go from a paper prototype to getting the product made, figuring it out to the feet of Meghan Markle, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think the other people yeah. think like, okay, you've launched your business. It's beautiful. I just have to say, if everybody go look at birdies. Um, and is it birdies.com? Is that how they go find you? Birdie. They haven't birdies, birdies, slippers.com birdieslippers.com. Okay. Go check it out because they are so pretty. They're so comfortable. They're so chic. But how do you go from have this fabulous product to, I got to tell Anna Wintour about it. And, but somehow <laughs> Megan Markle is spotted wearing my shoes. And I think that yeah. that's what everybody has this dream. Like, Oh, if only I could get this influencer right. or that influencer that it would make us famous and everything would happen. Like, yeah. how did you get the Markle moment to happen? And what did it do to your business? You know, it's so funny hearing you say this, like in a, in a, you know, in a nutshell, it all sounds like so thoughtfully planned out and like, you know, <laughs> how great, but the reality is so far from that. Like, I just feel like this is the, one of those moments where like ignorance is bliss. And I don't know, like it just was, it, it, you know, it just, it was, it was, this is not the, the vision initially, but you know, with Megan Markle, again, you know, you have two, two female co-founders who've never started a company before and certainly never spent a day in, in you know, creating this type of product. And we launched on our personal Facebook pages in November of 2015. And we had each invested $50,000, which to buy, you know, and manufacture slippers overseas and get the initial run, it took all of our capital. So we had no money left for any advertising or marketing. And we put together a really basic Shopify site and that was it. And we just posted on our Facebook pages that we were launching this slipper business in hopes that our friends would buy it and sort of see what would happen. Um, the product was terrible, by the way, at launch. It was really bad. Um, the prototype <laughs> we approved was very different from the the 1,800 units that arrived a few months later. So that was an, an issue. 
But we just thought, hey, even if 100% of the people return this, if they're buying it, then let's survey them and ask them why, what problem is it solving in right. their life, and and then decide if we should invest more because there is a market for this. So okay, I love that, that because I always say, if you are not embarrassed by your first effort, you mm-hmm. took too long, overthought it, and yeah. you never lost. Yeah. Because oh my god, no, these are so bad. To start, you have to iterate. Yeah. So I love that you were embarrassed, and you had a Shopify store. That that's awesome. It was embarrassing. I mean, embarrassing doesn't even start to describe it. They were, they were bad um, in so many ways. And that's for another time. But one of the things that I had learned from doing work with big retailers while I was at Facebook was that these big marketers um, spent a lot of time understanding who their target customer was and then took it one step further by even naming her to really personalize her. So I learned a lot about my time during my time working mm-hmm. with Old Navy their target customer was this 30 something year old woman that they named Jenny. And they had this whole like analysis on who she was. And then when they wanted to go a little bit younger, they, they named the new woman next gen. And I just thought that was fabulous. Like we should really understand who our customer is and let's create a name for her. So the, the customer profile was just like, you know, awesome woman who was not one dimensional. She was this juxtaposition of many different traits of a woman. So she loved to be pretty, but also she was a badass and she was, you know, ambitious, but loved to be playful and fun. And so she was like this and that. So we had a lot of this and that where I feel like society has always tried to, to typecast us, you know, you're either this or you're that. And I felt like our slippers were a combination of this and that as well. So, you know, that's how we sort of framed our customer. Um, we named her Birdie because, you know, the name Birdie just felt really strong and feminine to us. And mm, you know, I love that. And she just, she always like Birdie just also so feels did you like name the customer who, and that's where the company name came from. Yeah. So that was our company name is Birdie because she's this like badass strong woman who's a rule maker oh, and, a, and, a, and a rule breaker. Um, she sounds very so, cool. Like I, I want to be friends with her. Super, I want to come over and have a cocktail with her while she's wearing. T- well, so totally. And then I we like were her. like, well, we have like, she's so fabulous that not only is she a badass, but after a long day, she makes a mean martini and she's the life of the party. And, you know, we thought of Birdie and we were like, God, you know, she's always a little tipsy, but she has, you know, she gets her stuff done. So we, that was the name. So then we just started to think about if we were to gift a pair of Birdies to somebody who embodied this persona of this, you know, and both persona, who would she be? And so we started with like every A-lister and movie star and, you know, everyone sort of missed one versus the, or the other, you know, she was stylish, but maybe missed a little bit of the substance or had a lot of substance, but wasn't as stylish or the style just was like too polarizing. As we were trying to find this right intersection of style meet substance, we came across Meghan Markle and, you know, she was not necessarily the top A-list person, but she really embodied our customer, our brand, who we wanted to be when we grew up. We had just hired a, um, a boutique PR firm and we asked them if they could, um, you know, send her a pair of slippers and they did. And she was far more accessible back then, as you would imagine. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, she started to wear birdies on Instagram. And many times she would tag us, which was great. And we thought, gosh, this is so wonderful. She had a lot of great followers. But then a lot of times she would be wearing us and not tag us, which started to make us realize like, oh my gosh, she actually likes the product. Like she's not just (laughs) saying, you know, this is what I'm wearing. Like she actually is just wearing them. And we never paid her. This was not an endorsement, an endorsement at all. But you know, it was just so wonderful for her to receive products that she liked and to to leverage her, you know, her followers and her follower base to to share this new product with her friends. Um, but I think the one frustrating thing for us was that every time she would wear them, she was wearing them outside. 
and, and they're supposed to be inside. And they're I confess to wearing to mine th- outside too. Uh, you know, you for, for years, you know, it was like frustrating. <laughs> I know, but that was never the intention. And honestly, like it, it just was not interesting to us. You know, there's, we just thought there's plenty of shoe companies out there, you know, there was, right. that, that was not be, be less of a point would, of difference. Totally. And, you know, and also what was interesting to us was creating community at home and having thoughtful conversation amongst friends. And so with that as like our North star, the problem we were solving for was what were women wearing when they got inside of somebody's living room, bedroom or kitchen and they were asked to take off their shoes and suddenly they're embarrassed by their toes that don't have pedicures or gym socks. So that was the idea for us. That was the passion that we had. And so seeing her wearing us everywhere and traveling and on set, you know, we were just like, darn it. Like, you know, what's up with this? And we started to see that happening more and more. And as she was wearing us, we'd get a lot of people emailing our customer service just saying, are these slippers or are these shoes? She's wearing them everywhere. And we were like, well, no, they're slippers. Like they're meant to be worn inside. But more and more people were wearing us outside. And so that was sort of the beginning of this, you know, moment a year later where we started to ask ourselves, you know, as a founder, when do you know when it's time to pivot based on what customers are telling you or hold the line and stay focused on the problem that you initially right. to solve? And that took and, us a long time to deliberate. And where did you come out on that? So what would you say Birdies is today? Are you still firmly focused on the slipper or are you about out and about too? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> So we, we had a, a, an awesome intern who's going to be back this summer, last summer, just survey thousands of our customers to ask them, how do you wear your birdies? 75% of them told us that she wears this everywhere. And most of the customer quotes that um, supported that said, birdies are so stylish. Nobody knows that I'm secretly wearing a slipper. Those countless times of reading that, that one day last August, we decided, what if we created a tagline that said, you know, birdies is stylish, flat, that's secretly a slipper. What would happen? And so, you know, part of the fun of working at a startup is you can change anything within a, a minute's notice. And that That's afternoon, right. we went live with that tagline and the business exploded. And I'll never forget it. It just, it was one of those things where we had so many people email asking us, is it a slipper? Or is it a shoe? Can I wear them outside? If it's, you know, if it's a slipper, are they dribble enough out? If it's a shoe, why are you calling it a slipper? There were, we were creating so many barriers for people, um, but ultimately, we want them to do what they want to That's do with right. this product. So as it, we it's design, listening to the customer and being right. agile to evolve, right? I often think if you are learning, your best teacher is going to be the customer. They're going to show you That's the right. way. <laughs> and and That's you don't right. want to be wrong for long. And if you, if you serve them, they'll open you up to a whole new world. That's amazing. And I totally agree. That is a beautiful tagline. And I absolutely love it. And she gets, gives her more value for the purchase too, when she's able to really wear it. So that's incredible. And so everything that we design moving forward has to have that feeling of if you were to only wear them inside, does this give you that moment where you're like, I'm slipping into something cozy and comfortable, but they have to be durable enough to be worn everywhere outside. So we added a little bit of a thicker outsole to make them more durable, but the comfort is, it continues to be the same only more durable for the outside. So I think for the modern day woman, she doesn't want to be told how to wear this or what to wear or, you know, who she is, you know, whether it's a slipper, whether it's a shoe, you make the call, you're the badass woman, you're the one making an investment in this product, you decide how you want to wear these. But whether you're wearing them inside or outside, they're great for both. They're the most versatile slipper slash shoe in the world. That's fantastic. Okay. So I have to ask you because when people are thinking about building a brand from scratch today, 
they are often thinking about how can I go direct to my customer? I can set up a store, I can sell on Facebook. And you actually came from the experience of helping brands put retail partnerships on Instagram and Facebook. So do you have knowledge that you've used for birdie slippers that you could give other solopreneurs or dreamers out there thinking about what's the best way to use social media? I mean, maybe they're not going to start out hiring a PR firm that might help gift Mm -hmm. Meghan Markle or other A-listers, but what can they do without a big budget on social media to get the word out? That's a great question. You have to have a very strong point of view and something that is is, is you. So, you know, before the PR firm, before any of that, you are going to probably launch an Instagram account and you have to have a point of view. Who is your brand? And the celebrities that you seed your product with will then follow what your brand ethos that you're creating, but you have to create that vibe. I would say the one thing that most brands underestimate, including ourselves, is the amount of content that you have to produce. Mm-hmm. Every day you're posting on various channels. And so in many ways, you become a content creator, you know, and then you start to understand who your customer is and you want to be able to personalize that message at scale. So when you're running, you know, Facebook ads and Instagram ads, you can personalize your message to different customer segments, but that create that creates more, more creative work um, and pressure. So get ready to create a lot of content and creative, but in, in order to do so, you have to know exactly what your brand stands for. Be specific. Don't try to be all things to all people, but know your customer. Totally. Create beautiful content yeah. for her lifestyle and, and deliver it. Mm-hmm. That, that's fantastic advice. Okay, so you talked about your customer and Birdie being and and not being put into a box. So I'm going to ask you the question that everybody asks every mom working, which is the mom working balance question. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I obviously always used to like kind of hate this myself, but thinking of it as like the lady view, which is like, why doesn't anybody ever ask my husband like how he manages right. to be a partner and do this? Yeah. But I actually think it's not that we shouldn't ask moms, it's that we should just ask everybody. Like if you're looking yeah. to... I always think of starting a business as you don't just start a business. You really should be more thoughtful about starting a life because you give so much to your business. You have to be passionate to elevate you over the obstacles in order to make it, not give up. And you got to be happy and thrive along the way. So how do you look as a person who has a family and other people in the world that you love? And do you have boundaries? Are there challenges or what are the tips where you've said, I've been able to integrate and feel like I'm thriving at work and thriving at home. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it just starts with being passionate. I am so obsessed with what we're building every day that I get to go home and feel like I'm able to give back to my family because I feel so lucky that I had, you know, eight hours in my day to to do something that's really fulfilling to me. And if you go to work every day doing something that you're not passionate about, not fulfilled, you'll probably go home feeling um, you know, not as energized. And so number yeah, one, depleted. Is, you know, depleted, yeah, energy depleted, not shining a light not sure that why. other people can, can enjoy. Totally. And I feel so energized with what we're doing that by the time I get home at night, I'm able to give back to my family. And I would say the other thing is this has been a family business in many ways. You know, this, this started with a conversation in our kitchen and before we had offices. Well, you're, you I use left, your daughter's construction paper. So she, right, she because, has equity yeah. in the business. She, she has a lot of materials, right? <laughs> That's right. And even at night and weekend, they would, they would help us form an assembly line and stuff the slippers in the boxes and the little gift card notes in there. And then on the way to school in the morning, I'd have a, a, a 
my car full of birdies and we would stop by FedEx and USPS and the kids would jump out of the car and start just bringing the boxes into the, the shipping I uh, love company. That. You showed them and what success is really about, which is the hard yeah. work, the heavy lifting, like doing all the That's jobs, right. doing all the things that it takes to make it happen. I love that. That's right. So, you know, so it's, for me, I think balance isn't about, you know, work and then home. It's how do I integrate everything into one? And I tell this to my team, I say, you know, I am a mom seven days a week, which also means I'm working seven days a week, but that's the, that's what works for me. I can't be a a businesswoman Monday through Friday and then a mom Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. That would make me feel bad. I do want to be able to coach my daughter's soccer team on a Friday afternoon or, you know, go to a parent teacher conference on a Wednesday at 10 a.m., I do have to then make up the work and I'm okay doing that, which just means that like my personal life and my work life must bleed in together. And it's just kind of like one big awesome life that I'm living with everything. I, I am so together. with you on that. It, you can do a lot. If you do you and you control the hours you work, you can prioritize yeah. family and be mm-hmm, there and mm-hmm. still, and still get a lot done. Well, though these, this is just the most amazing story. And there is something that you said Another time that we were speaking, and I loved it because it had to do with setting an amazing example for your children. And I believe, I'll let you get this one right, but I believe it was your daughter's, as a Girl Scout, and was selling something. Or like you were saying that other class moms were saying, hey, let's sell this to give money to charity. Oh, you were yes. saying something the, like, uh, why don't you just sell? Yeah, tell me more about that because I think it was such a good lesson for girls, women, and people to hear that you do not need to apologize for vegan sales or trying to make money. Totally. So, um, my daughter goes to an all girls school here in San Francisco and they, they, these girls just love entrepreneurship. And so we thought, why don't we formalize something, um, and get the parents to, to get involved and support these girls. And so the idea was that these girls were going to produce a product to then sell on a specific day at school um, and to the community. And as we were putting together this, this theme and how they would do it, the question was, well, what happens when they start to sell it? Where should the money be donated? Should it just be to an organization of their choice, a charity of their choice? And, you know, I had this uncomfortable moment where I raised my hand and I just said, like, you know, why isn't it okay for these girls to choose to keep it? What if they just want to spend it? You know, what if it's just, you know, it's a for-profit business? Why are we teaching these girls that making their money must go to helping others when maybe they don't want that? And it was like this moment where, you know, the other parents, it wasn't that they were opposed to it. I just don't think anyone really thought about it. And once you thought about it, you're like, yeah, I, I let's try that. And, you know, these girls are just amazing. We said, you know, you must give back to the school because we're donating the time and the space and the resources to do it. And every other vendor that day who's selling, who's not a student, also gives back a percentage of sales. But after that, you do with it what you want. And some of them did want to give back to their community in some way. But many of them decided that they wanted to reinvest the money into their business. And that was the most surprising thing. It wasn't that they wanted to go shopping. It was that they wanted to reinvest and buy more products and see how much bigger this could get. So... Um, this event will take place again um, this coming December at their school. And I'm so excited to see, you know, how they've decided to reinvest this money and how much bigger their, their company has become. Okay. From standing up at a table and taking your slippers off your feet and showing them to Anna Wintour to standing up in your kid's school and saying, hey, let's, let's actually show them that it's a good idea to have a business and be proud of it. I love you for so many reasons and every single one in between. And your story has been so inspiring. So I want to ask you if there's any last tips or outros that if you could just 
wave a magic wand and put your you know hands on an entrepreneur that, that and say, this is the gift I give to you. This is the thing I want you to know. This is the thing I want you to do to create your own success. What would it be? I would say just just have the confidence to just start. Don't ask too many questions. Don't think about you know the pros and cons of leaving your job, et cetera. Just start. Just start in your kitchen. Just start with whatever resources you have at your disposal. Use those, and then you'll figure out how to get the other things moving. But just start. Thank you so much, Bianca, the co-founder of Birdie Slippers that I love and that you're going to love. So go discover them. Because your story is so much about what the self-made podcast is about, which is you are in charge of you and you create it. Your story is self-made and I absolutely love it. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Wow. That was a powerful episode and I hope as promised, it was inspiring to you and why I think it was a powerful conversation because we heard Bianca doing something that all people that want to be self-made, that want to create more in their life have to do. You have to take a leap into the unknown. You have to have courage and conviction. I mean, I felt that way when I made the decision to go all in with Stella Dot and went into a category and sales channel that I really had no knowledge of. I had to be okay looking like a fool. So in keeping with our weekly tradition, I want to challenge you to take action in the birdie spirit, in that courageous spirit of someone who wants to make more of their own life. What are you willing to do where you have no idea what you're doing? You may be a fool, but you're gonna do it anyway, because you believe that greatness may be on the other side of it. It could be that you got to stumble around and figure it out. That's okay. That's what learning looks like. That's growth and that's evolution. Is it deciding to build out more of a personal brand on social media? Even if you've been afraid or panicked to hit the live button, if you've thought, who would want to see my content on Instagram? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the opposite for you. You've been behind a screen where you're totally comfortable, but you've not yet really marketed your business because you're not doing community events and pop-ups and conferences and trade shows and actually representing your brand confidently in person. I want to ask you this. What is it that you have no idea how to do that you are going to commit to doing this week? Not because you're going to measure success as did I get instant results, but because you'll have proven that you're strong, proven that you're courageous proven that you have the tenacity to go out and try new things and that you're going to just keep evolving until you get a little bit closer to making it happen in your life. I want to know about it. So drop me a note on ask Jessica at stella.com or better yet post it on social media and tag at Jessica Heron and hashtag self-made podcast. So last request on one bold little thing I want you to do that takes no time whatsoever if you are hearing something that you love, that you think somebody else is going to get a little bit of spark, a little bit of mojo, then by all means, don't keep it a secret. Share it. Share self-made with your friends on social. Take a moment to go give me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm super grateful for you. And don't you forget, my friend, you are self-made. Self-made.